0: Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman States, Illinois. Today, you will hear a sermon from Pastor Jeff Abiera. So without further ado, here he is. Amen. Amen. As you're seated, uh, please greet the person next to you again and just say, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Harvest Community Church. We want to welcome you guys here again, whether you're new or you've been here before, and whether you're in person or online. Our greatest desire is to help you take your next steps in your journey of faith, no matter where you're at. If you're a Christ follower, please repeat after me. And today, I'm going to push you a little bit. Is that okay? Please repeat after me with passion, conviction, and let this room know who we are. Say, I am a child of God. God. I'm loved by God. God. And I am the light of the world. Amen. Amen. My name is Jeff Oburan. I'm the next gen pastor here at Harvest. And I'm excited to dive into the word of God with you today. And I want to preface, today's message has a purpose. Today we celebrate and we honor our lay ministers who have been pouring into the ministry of God here at Harvest. And I want to be upfront with you that the purpose is to get us as Christ followers fired up to have passion and the right heart to carry out the assignment in this season here at Harvest and in your life. The reality is this, leaders are dropping and falling. I keep in contact with a lot of leaders uh, in this area, but also on the West Coast and different parts of the Midwest region. And unfortunately, church leaders and Christ followers continue to decline. More than ever in our lifetime, I believe that leaders need encouragement. Leaders need encouragement. A simple thank you. A simple good job, a simple eye contact, an acknowledgement. So we're going to practice right now, all right? So I'm going to show you how it's done, okay? And then you're going to practice with the people around you. Pastor Dave, look at me. Thank you. That's all it is, all right? So turn to your neighbor, eye contact, two seconds, and cinematically just say, thank you. Yes. Did you feel that? Did you feel that? Amen. Yes. Yes. You feel it? The room feels lighter. Someone does care, right? Here's the reality. Many of you, especially the ones who stepped on stage, you responded to the call, the invitation of God inviting you into kingdom work. The title of my message today is Saying Yes, to God saying yes to God this morning I had the incredible joy waking up I woke up very early before the sun rose and I was so thankful this morning and I was just praising God because of all of you actually and because of this church today actually marks one year since the first day that I walked into this worshiping community can we praise God for that Amen, and it was in this room, and I sat in the back row, in that that chair right over there where EJ's sitting, and and I'll be honest with you, the only reason why I came was because when my family got a bad case of COVID, and I was even in the hospital for a day, my brother-in-law Kenny, the guy who was standing right in the middle, he told the prayer team, and The response of this church was we had meals for like two weeks, and it was led by Pastor Frank. And all these random harvest people came to love somebody and a family that, you know, you didn't even know. When I felt better, uh, Pastor Dave took me out for breakfast as we crossed paths many times in the past. And, you know, after all of that, me and my wife, we decided, hey, we have to, we have to visit this church, and it's the least we could do. So I'll be honest, I did the least that <laughs> we agreed upon. I walked in the back, I had a hoodie on, right? Nobody knows who I was, maybe a couple people. I made eye contact with Joe Lee, and I was like, oh, all right, I have to say hi, because we went to school together, <laughs> went to college together. And I was like, hey, but to be honest, I wasn't trying to mingle that day. You know, that following week, uh, Pastor Dave took me out once again, and uh, yeah, he paid for my food again. I was like, oh my gosh, like, I'm eating good right now. And he asked me to fill in to preach for him um, the following month in November. And I was like, how could I say no, right? This church has done so much, so much. So I came to preach, and it was actually the first time I preached in seven months. And this was the place that allowed me to preach the Word of God once again. The week after I preached here, uh, I went on a, a preaching circuit for two months at several different churches in the Chicagoland and even in Indiana. And it was all because someone said yes to serving our family. I'm so grateful. And even when you're hearing me, I'm getting a little choked up because I can't believe where I'm at now compared to where I was when I walked into this place last year. Last year was the hardest time of my family's life. If you know our story, that's for another day. But it was extremely difficult. I had clinical burnout, anxiety, depression, and it was difficult. But I truly believe, again, a large part of the reason why I'm here today standing with a smile on my face, waking up before the sun comes up, praising the Lord, is because of you all. So look at me real quick. Thank you. Thank you. Saying yes to God is not easy, amen? Saying yes to God is scary. But all throughout Scripture, we see many Men and women of God say yes to God's invitation of kingdom work. Today I want to look at Hebrews chapter 6. And this is actually the first time I'm preaching from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9 through 12. But for some reason, it's been on my heart for like, I don't know, a few weeks. And in Hebrews, uh, the, the writer is writing to Jewish Christians. And they are people who are under persecution, under Emperor Nero, I believe, and the author here in specifically chapter 6 is giving a warning to those falling away. But after he does that, in verse 9 through 12, he talks about a different group, a different group who hasn't fallen away, a different group who kept saying yes to the call of God. And there's something that I think we can see here for especially the mature believers. So I'm going to start with verse 9 and then go through verse 12. It says, Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. That's referring to those falling away. And then they say this. They say, We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that have come with salvation, for God is not unjust. He will not forget. I'm going to say that again he will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. Amen. Again, this chapter starts out giving a warning to those who keep kind of backsliding just a little bit. And those who keep saying no just a little bit at a time. But then the author goes here and says, hold up, that may be happening, but there's also a group of you that have stayed the course. There is also a group of you who did not fall away. I think there's a lot of followers in Jesus, actually in here in this room, that did not fall away just like this group of people, as many have, that we've seen. But here's the thing. Maybe, just maybe, some of us in this room, we are fatigued, or maybe we're burned out like I was last year. I'm going to go back to that, a little bit later but in the scripture it reminds me of so many so many people and i believe that our our church has done a great job as i've seen you only at the the tail end of the pandemic i i believe that harvest has done a great job so can we praise god for the efforts again for everyone in this room but i want to encourage you and also tell that the way things we have done in the past may not be the same things that God is calling us to do now in the present and in the future. But I want to remind us again that ministering to others, even though it feels overwhelming, God is returning for the local and the global church. And that includes us in that story. So it is an honor to say yes to God. In verse 10, it says, For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard... You have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. There's three things that stuck out to me in this passage when it comes to saying yes to God. So when it comes to saying yes to God, we must remember, number one, that God sees it all. God sees it all. Everybody say God sees it all. I'm going to give you a little secret about how I approach leadership sometimes. There will be times in my leadership where I purposefully disappear like a ninja. I will leave without notice. But here's the thing. I'm not gone. I'll be around the corner watching, right? And I believe that there are many times where maybe nobody saw what you did. But I want to remind you that God... Sees it all. This scripture reminds us that God sees not just what you do, but He sees you. The other day, uh, actually a few months ago, uh, for our young adult group that meets on Thursdays, I did one of those times where I just disappeared. I just walked out, didn't say bye, and they thought I left. But I peeked around the corner, right? Actually, I didn't even peek around the corner. I just stood around the corner. Very, very creepy, right? And I was just listening. And you know, after I left, after we were done worshiping, after we said our amens, and even some people said goodbye, people came back into the room, and they began to continue to worship again and singing songs. And they may not know that I saw them or heard them, but I did. Guys, I don't believe that pastors are the only disciple makers. All of us need to be disciple makers in this room. If that was the case, if just the pastors were supposed to make disciples or just the staff, man, the church would be in big trouble. At Gobble, we were talking about the preliminary games last week, and uh, there was a time where I disappeared again. I went to the other side of the field, and I just watched. I watched our leaders, and I watched the team, and one of the kids got knocked down on the other team, and I was like, hmm, what's going to happen, right? No one, none of his teammates were around him. And then I see a green shirt run over to this guy. And I thought he was going to just run past him, but what did he do? He stopped, he looked, and he picked up the opponent. Can we praise God for that? Yeah, good job, good job. God sees in the same way that maybe even though I was gone and wasn't present, I saw, but God also sees what you all do. I stand here today and want to say that God saw everything. God sees the moments when maybe you didn't feel like leading that meeting or that practice or that gathering, but you still did it out of obedience to him and to the commitment you made to this church. The scripture says in that verse, it says some showed their love by God by caring for other believers. In reality, how do we serve God? If I were to ask you a question, how do we serve God? It's a lot more simple than you think. The way that we serve God is simply by serving people. The way that we love God includes a majority in the way that we love people. Guys, God saw the times where maybe you drove a bunch of the youth group kids and you had to wait in your car for two hours. He saw that. God saw the times when maybe... Some of you worked so hard decorating or doing something and no one said thank you. God saw the times for our CG leaders when maybe you opened up your home when it wasn't convenient and the reality is it's probably never convenient, but you still do. And in verse 10, the end of it, it says, as you still do. Many of you are still doing it. And I want to see that God saw it. One of my old pastors, he didn't speak English well. And there was this big event that we had. And in the basement, everybody left. The lights were off. And the only communication we could have was thumbs up, hugs, and handshakes. He walks up to me. It's just me and him in the room. This dark room. I'm about to leave. He turns on the light. It's a mess in there. He hands me a broom. Doesn't say a word. He grabs a broom. And we clean for a long time that night. And I believe my pastor was trying to teach me something in that moment. That even when the lights are turned off and everybody leaves, and even if it's just me and you, it doesn't matter. We serve God even when it's not seen. Because God sees it. The Bible says that whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Guys, the things that we do behind closed doors, our private worship must always take precedence over our public worship. Our private way of loving others, our private way of serving people should always take precedence of what goes on in the spotlight. When it comes to the act of serving, I have this thing that I always continue to have in my heart, especially as someone who publicly does a lot of things for God. You can either be a servant or a serpent. Jesus calls out those who were publicly worshiping on display, and he actually, for some of them, did not call them a servant in the Most High. He called them a serpent. And how do we know if we are a servant or a serpent? We will know by the way that we worship and serve in private in relation to the way we worship and serve in public. The Bible says that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. The last is important to the heart of Jesus when we say yes. Why? Because the last does not have any unhealthy expectation. If you are the last, you're already expecting to be in the back. If you're the last, you're not expecting to get the shine. But Jesus honors those who decide, to be the last, because there is no pride in the last. I believe that the difference between servant and serpent, it's just one letter, it's the letter P, and I believe that the P stands for pride. When we serve and when we say yes to God, never allow pride to enter into the picture. God is inviting us here to do kingdom work, but kingdom work that starts at a posture of, God, I want to honor you. So will you say yes to this invitation? So again, when it comes to saying yes to God, we must remember that number one, God sees it all. Number two is this, keep on loving. Keep on loving. Verse 11, if you could go back to the passage, it says, Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. verse 12, then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Saying yes to God is a daily thing. Everybody say daily. Think about the things that we do daily. It's part of our regimen. Saying yes to God is daily. The Bible says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. It's talking about Daily. And I understand some of us are tired in this room. Again, there's a difference between fatigue and burnout. If it's burnout, you need to go into a deep time of healing, a deep process. And it comes because of either an unhealthy environment or an unhealthy daily decisions. And that's what I had to do for six months. And for a long time, I saw a therapist for a weekly And now, by the grace of God, I'm only seeing them monthly. Some of us are burned out, and we have to know how to respond and be wise. Is it burnout or is it fatigue? If it's burnout, deep dive. If it's fatigue, you need rest. If it's fatigue, you need a break. But here's the thing. Don't rest for the rest of your life. In the way that you love others. If it's fatigue, fatigue is a moment. I used to be on the varsity high school basketball team. And when I would play the game, the coach would call me to the bench to take a rest. But you know what he said? He said, stay warm and don't rest too much because you're going back in. If you are fatigued, get some rest, but have the mindset that I'm going back in. And to make it clear, we are not saved by loving others, guys, but we are saved by God to love others. In Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, many of us know it, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And the way that you love others right now doesn't have to be the way you loved others in your single life or in your 20s. It doesn't have to look the same as if it was in your 30s or in your 40s if you're in the next stage of life. It can be different. The Bible says, keep on loving others. And it goes further. It says, as long as life lasts. So rest, but don't rest for the rest of your life. In my old dance ministry, uh, Move for God, M4G, there was this young boy, a little boy, and his leader never really saw for a long time the fruit of pouring into this young boy. He would love him. He would encourage him. He would reach out to him. He would text him. And this little boy was the one who didn't want to show up to practice. He was probably there because his mama told him to. He was probably there because his mom probably thought it was cute for him to dance for Jesus. And there would be times where he would just be in the corner and give the bare minimum. But here's the thing. The leader kept pouring into him. He kept loving him. And one day, I was leading a discussion With our whole group, everybody was sitting down in front of me in groups of 10. And I was sharing on blessings. And I asked for a volunteer to share something. And surprisingly, this little boy, he stood up. Little boy, he goes, right? Little boy who never talked. He took a deep breath because he was nervous, he said. And I was excited. What's he going to say? He clears his throat. <clears throat. He looks up and he says this loud and proud. He says, I, his voice is cracking, don't feel invisible anymore. He said, I don't feel invisible anymore. Later on, I found out that everywhere he went, he felt invisible. He felt invisible in school. He felt invisible in church, in sports. He was the one who didn't get to really play the game, but all the time. And he said, I don't feel invisible anymore. Church, let's keep on loving, because we have no idea what's going to come out of those moments. Do not grow dull, please. Don't do it. It actually says here in the scripture that if you stop loving, or it's saying keep on loving others, or you will become spiritually dull. If you are dull in your spiritual walk, it might be because you stopped loving others. I was given a note on Friday. We wrote notes uh, to encourage each other, and I was slipped a little note. And the note said it's from someone who was scared to join our youth group. And it simply said, I made new friends. Thank you. Recently, I heard a testimony from somebody in our church who actually didn't go to her church for a long time because they were hurt. And you know what they said recently? They said, church now feels like a family. A young man the other day, out of nowhere, with tears in his eye, approached me crying and said, God has blessed me with a great community that I can now worship with. Just recently, God is still working in here. And it's because many of you kept saying yes. When it comes to saying yes to God, we must remember again, number one, God sees it all. Number two, to keep on loving so that we don't get spiritually dull. And then number three, my last point is this, because hope continues. We must remember that hope continues. Verse 11, again, I'm going to reverse 11 and 12. Our greatest desire, that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts. In order to make certain that what you hope for will come true, then you will not be spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises, because of their faith and their endurance. The scripture teaches us that hope continues when we say yes. It continues from the one who shared the gospel with you. And it continues to come from the one who shared the gospel with the one who shared the gospel with the one who shared the gospel to you. And you can continue. Again, God's purpose for us to be saved is so that we can do good works. We don't do it because we are earning anything, but it's simply a response to Jesus saying yes. Some of us are running from our calling. And you know what? There was a time where I ran away from my calling. Even last year, I was running all all around away from my calling. I want to share a story. If you go to the last picture, uh, there was this time in my life where I was... It was another time where it was very difficult. It was to the point where I was getting so many people, just trigger warning, so many people that wanted to hurt themselves and end their lives. And it got me to a very deep and dark place where I wanted to quit ministry. I reached out to a friend. My friend prayed for me. And that one prayer allowed me to say, maybe I'll go back now, God. Maybe. After that, I made a decision. God, I will say yes today. I don't know about tomorrow, but I will say yes today. I actually went back to the place where I was saved. I sat in the same chair where I got saved. And I said, God, remind me of what it was like when you first entered into my life. Another thing I did was after I left that place, I went to Chicago. Well, I was living in Chicago at the time, but I wanted to go downtown. So I wanted to bypass all of the other neighborhoods, so I hopped on the train. I hopped on the blue line, and uh, I was going to go downtown towards the loop, and I was listening to this audiobook book uh, because I, I didn't even have the strength to read at this point. So I, I had the strength to listen, so I started listening. It was about saying yes to God again. And it was about the different small Holy Spirit promptings where you feel like God is trying to urge you to do something. And I was listening to this book. And I started getting annoyed at this book, right? This guy was so passionate. Just say yes to God. He says, buy someone a coffee, You buy the coffee. right? And I was like, all right, I'm going to fast forward this, right? And then something happened in my heart. As I was on this train and I was looking at the beautiful skyline, And the beautiful buildings and artwork all over our city. I began to feel a prompting. It felt as though God said, if you're going to say yes today, then I'm going to ask you a couple things today. And I'm looking around in this train and I see a guy. And I start to get that feeling, that pushing. Go talk to this guy about Jesus. And at that point, I had about five or six stops before my destination. And, you know, at that point, I actually stopped the book altogether. But there was something deep in my heart that was saying, go talk to this man. And I realized later on that it was never for that man. It was actually for me. That what that man said to me was for me, for me to say yes again. So I walk over. There's a lot of people, but in the corner and at the end of the train, uh, there's an area where not a lot of people were, and it's probably because this guy was sitting there. Not a guy that looked approachable. He looked a little rough around the edges. So I said, "God, all right, fine, I will go talk to this man about you," thinking that it was something that you know would puff up my pride or something, do something you know for that guy. So I'm looking for different things to engage in conversation. I see a, he's got a black plastic bag, he's got a jacket on the side, and then I see he has a book. I said, God, that's the thing. I'm going to talk about that book. So I walk my bike over there. I sit down right across from him, very close to him. And I say, I get the courage up, let I see, here we go, I say, so, is that a good book? And I look at him, I'm looking at him, waiting for him to respond. No response. No response. I'm like, ah, alright, God. I tried. I'm gonna go back. And then the Holy Spirit tugged on my heart again. You ain't done. And then I go a little louder. And I say, Sue! So, is that a good book? Everybody in the train looks at me except for this one guy. <laughs> and then the guy pauses. And he looks up at me, with very serious eyes, like, don't talk to me, right? Then something shifted. And he said, it's a great book! (laughs) So we start talking about this book. We start engaging in conversation. Now we're about four stops away. And the timeline is getting smaller. And I keep hearing, talk to him about Jesus. So we're talking, and we're talking, and... Eventually, he said, Jeff, I'm having such a great conversation. I want to give you something. And what he does, he's reached in the black plastic bag. He opens it up, and he hands me a beer. All right, I didn't make this up, all right? I'm just telling you how it was. I didn't choose, okay? All right, so he offers me a beer in the middle of public. And I pause for a while I said, God, what should I do? What should I do in this moment? And I said, You know what? You probably spent a lot of money on that beer. Enjoy it. And then we started talking about the drink. And he starts to tell me that he rides the train every single day to stay warm. Just to stay warm. And I began to ask him, like, his name was Jake. I said, Jake, so, like, why are you, how did you get to this place? Like, he starts sharing how he's homeless. And then he raised his drink, and he said, you know, I got lost in the sauce, referring to the beer. He said, I drank too much, I lost my family. When I lost my family, I got so down that I stopped going to work, and I lost my job. And then he pauses, and he says, but we don't have to talk about that. He's like, Jeff, I want to ask you some stuff. He's like, I know you didn't like my gift, my, the beer, but you know what, I got something you're going to like. Okay? So he reaches into his pocket. I didn't make this up, okay? And all right, well, I'll, I'll just continue with the story. So he reaches out in his pocket, he gets some white wrapping paper—not the Christmas kind, but a different type of paper. He starts uh, throwing some stuff in there and rolls it up, very finely, nice and professional, right? And he goes, "Jeff, you don't like this." He pulls it out. He goes, I want to give this to you. And in that moment, I was like, "God, what do I do?" <laughs> I rejected his first gift, and this guy was so excited to give me another gift. And I'll be honest, I received that gift, but I threw it away after I showed Ellen, because it was hilarious. <laughs> I threw it away. Kids, don't do drugs, all right? So, so we're back in this conversation, and we're talking, and we're three stops away now. And I'm saying, oh my gosh, I need to talk to this man about Jesus, okay? because that's why I'm here. That's why I sat here. Two stops go by, and I just paused the entire conversation. Mid-conversation, I said, Jake, you know, I, I felt like I needed to say something to you. And I just shared, do you know who Jesus is? And he looked at me, and his face got very somber. But there was a little bit of peace that showed through his eyes. And he said, Jeff, I know Jesus. Jesus. And I have him in my life. But these addictions have really, really plagued me. Door is open. It's just two stops away now. And at that moment, I, I was just reminded of the scripture. And I just said, Jake, there's going to be a day when your addictions are no more if you continue to trust in him. There's going to be a day where everything you lost will be back in heaven. And we're at the last stop now. We give a little handshake. And you know what brought me to say yes again to the call of Jesus? He said, Jeff, I have hope. And I can't wait for that day. I walked away saying, if he can say yes, I'm going to say yes. There's three powerful words when it comes to hope. And actually, Pastor Dave talked about it just a little bit ago. You think about our, our building. There was three hopes with our building that still continues. The first word is eventually. Maybe for us, we say, eventually we'll have a building, Right? And then maybe it's, soon we will use that building. So the first word is eventually. The second word when it comes to hope that is powerful is soon. But the very most powerful thing when it comes to hope is the word finally. Eventually, soon, and finally. Guys, I want to encourage you, especially those who are leaders, and say that Eventually, just like the building, your prayers will be answered. Eventually, the seeds that you spread will grow. And then there's some of us in this room, I want to say this, soon your prayers will be answered. Soon you will see the fruits of your labor according to this scripture. And today, I want to prophetically say that there is another word, and that word is finally. The leaders in this room, there will be a moment where you say, finally, my prayers are answered. Finally, my child will return to God. Finally, my spouse or my relative, who I've been telling about Jesus, will understand finally occurs when what we prayed for in front of us is now behind us. And in this scripture, it's talking about a hope of inheritance, a hope of Jesus, the promises. And that one day, if we continue to say yes every day of our lives and every moment to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, God will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And we will be able to say Finally. Guys, there are gifts in here that only you have, that only you can share. There are stories in this room that are only your story that needs to be shared. I want to ask Pastor Dave a question. I'm going to just mess with him today, if that's okay. And I need you to yell, because you don't have a microphone. I have the microphone, all right? I want to ask Pastor Dave... Will you continue to serve God for the rest of your life? Yes. Amen. That wasn't as loud as I wanted, though. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. Will you serve God for the rest of your life? Yes. Amen. There we go. Guys, we say yes because Christ said yes on Calvary. We say yes because he said yes every step he took going to the cross. Guys, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are. It's few, but I pray that the few would be the most powerful thing that the world has ever seen. That we would have unity in the Holy Spirit. That we would be driven not by what we see, but by the hope of the gospel of eventually, soon, and finally. We are the few, but we are also the chosen guys. And I want to say, God sees it all. Keep on loving. Keep on loving. Because hope continues. So as we close today, will you say yes? Maybe for the first time. God, I will serve you. Or will some of you continue to say yes? Those are the questions I want to ask. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for all of the yeses especially for your yes we thank you for the one who said yes who shared with us the gospel we thank you for the one who said yes to the one who shared the gospel with the one who shared the gospel to share the gospel with us and God I pray that we would recognize that what we see now is not the end of the story and you are calling us to say yes each and every day for a moment, as we continue in prayer, close your eyes. And and I love to do physical acts of responses because I believe it's a prophetic declaration in the same way they walked around the, the walls of Jericho. They were walking, they were moving, but it was also a prophetic declaration that they will say yes to God. For some of you, it's very hard to say yes right now. So with no one looking, I'm gonna ask you, if you want to continue to say yes to God or say yes to God for the first time in loving others and serving Him and serving the church and serving as the church, I want you to raise your hand. If that is you and you want to say yes right now, go ahead and raise your hand. Amen, you can put your hands down. Heavenly Father, we thank you that those who raise their hands are willing to respond to your invitation to kingdom work. God, you don't need us at all, but the reality is you want to labor with us. You don't want us to just labor for you, but you just want to do it with us. So God, for those of us who accepted this invitation, give them courage, boldness, love that only comes from you. In Jesus' mighty name. Continue to pray for just about 30 seconds on your own. And then we'll close in worship. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.